Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. here today. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We're, we're doing this summer series called Overwhelmed. Turn to your neighbor and say overwhelmed. How many of you guys right now by honest show of hands have felt a bit overwhelmed in the last few months? You felt overwhelmed? Those of you without your hands up, how did you do it? How did you make it? What's your secret? Because uh, I, don't, I don't know how you did it. Um, over the last several months, we have been journeying through a season of really feeling washed over, feeling like we're going to drown at times. Uh, maybe you felt like you didn't know how you were going to make it, overwhelmed by uh, the news, overwhelmed by the politicians and the political plays that are going on, overwhelmed by uh, maybe your finances and maybe you've had lost a job or you've been put on furlough the last several months and so you've been overwhelmed by the lack of finances. Maybe you've been overwhelmed by the fact that all your kids are home and your spouse has been home and you've been working together in a very small area, confined, having to stare at the same ugly mug every single day. Maybe that's you. Or if you're married to someone pretty, well, that, you're blessed. Okay. This is the deal. All of us in life get overwhelmed. Life at times and seasons of times can be very overwhelming. And so what I wanted to do is actually through this summer, I wanted to go systematically through a book of the Bible uh, that's going to talk to us about how to handle overwhelming circumstances, how to deal with life, how to cope with the, the realities of what life brings our way. Last week, we learned uh, being overwhelmed by people. Paul starts talking right in, the meet, right in the beginning about how we can have a joyful life, how we can have a life and handle people. Um, and today, we're going to go just a little bit deeper into this letter, and he's going to unpack some great truths for us. Let me remind you about what, we're, what the book of Philippians is. The book of Philippians is not a book. It's actually a letter. For those of you who don't know or haven't heard this, the book of Philippians in the Bible are actually a letter, a letter that was written by a, name, name, a man named Paul who was transformed by the power of God, was used by God in a very supernatural, divine way, but in Philippians, however, in Philippians, Paul, was it, was, it's a personal letter. It's a practical letter. It's a letter with purpose. It's, it, it teaches us the dynamics of our lives and how we can walk through it. In the book of Philippians, we learn, we will learn over the next several weeks, we will learn how to reduce stress. How many of you can use that in learning how to reduce stress? Let me see your hands. Yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us. We will learn over the next several weeks how to succeed in life. We will learn over the next several weeks how to find satisfaction in life. We will learn in the book of Philippians, ready for this, how to reduce conflict. Imagine that. In our world today, what we have going on, Paul is going to teach us how we can reduce conflict in our life. 
The book of Philippians is one of the most practical, most purposeful books that are letters that Paul wrote. And the reason he wrote this so purposefully, so practically, so meaningfully is because what happened in Paul's life during this letter and while he was in Philippi was life-changing. God did something inside of Paul during his season in Philippi that only God could take a bad circumstance, a horrible place, a place that Paul was in prison, he was beaten, he was arrested, he was thrown in jail, he was under house arrest, and Paul, in the middle of his most trying times, writes a, a, a letter that brings, and the whole goal, the whole um, theme of Philippians is this, joy. It's all about the joy that we find in life. How can a man who is under the pressure that he is under during his time in Philippi, how can he write such beautiful words to encourage the people, the, the believers in Philippi, uh, at the Philippian church, how to find joy in the middle of the most trying times? I mean, Paul, if he was alive today, he would have wrote the song, Don't Worry. He would have wrote it because he was a man who believed in the power of not happiness, of joy. See, happiness comes from the Greek word, happy stance. It's the circumstance in which you're in, the external circumstance, that brings about happiness. For example, my family goes to Disney World. I'm in the what? The happiest place on earth. That's right. Until my kids want to buy something. Until my kids want the $30 hamburger and they want to eat. Oh, happiest place turns in the most contentious place on the planet, right? Until Disney is happy until a month later when you get your credit card statement in, you see how much you spent at the hat, and you say, no wonder why they're happy. They got the money. I got the shaft, right? So this is, this is it. So... So many times we, 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 we think of happenstance, we go and shopping, makes us happy until we get the bills in the next month and we're not so happy. It's a happenstance. Christmas time is happy while everybody's around, if you like being with your family. It's, it's happy while everybody's around and you're enjoying everybody's fellowship, everybody's friendship and you're having a great time and then they leave and it's not so happy. But understand this, happiness comes from happy stance, but joy comes from internal contentment. There's a big difference. You ask a kid when they're little, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say, I want to be happy. It seems like happy is the target, but joy is the bullseye. Finding contentment in the middle of our horrible stance. So Paul, here's what happened. Paul spends two years 
He's, he, he spends the last, four, I'm sorry, the last four of his years of his life in this miserable place, in this miserable circumstance, but he was on his way to go to the main prison, and he spent two years in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. Uh, he almost died. <laughs> uh, he waits through winter. He continues on to Rome. He spends the next two years under house arrest, chained to one of the palace guards. Every four hours, they rotated out a new palace guard, and he got a new palace guard to come in. Paul's life was not happy, was not a happy place that he could be. But yet Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, look in your Bibles with me, or look on your notes, it says this, it says, I rejoice and I will continue to what? Rejoice. I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. What's Paul's secret here? What is it that Paul knew that we forget at times? How did he stay so positive? How did he stay so joyful in the middle of very unhappy circumstances? And that's what I want to take you on today. I want to help us understand four essential beliefs or four essential things that we need for joyful living. If you have your notes, write this down. Number one, number one, the first essential thing that we need to find joyful living is number one, I need a perspective to live from. I need a perspective to live from. Verse 12 and 14, we'll kind of cover this. It says, listen, every one of us have problems. Every one of us have situations that hurt. Your problems are unique to you, but they're not unique to humanity. Can I say that again? Your problems are unique to you, but they're not unique to humanity. The same things, the same struggles, the same uh, temptations, the same uh, uh, challenges, the same crisis, the same hurts, the same breakups, the same heartaches, they're all the same to mankind, to humankind. But they're unique to you. And so when they're unique to you, you think that my perspective is I am stuck right here. My perspective is right here, right now. But here's what Paul says. Look, at, look with me in verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Wait a minute. Paul is in chains. He's in prison. He's chained to a, to a guard every four hours, changed out for two years, 24 months. That's a long time for him to say, listen, what's happened to me is actually advancing the gospel. Why? Because his perspective was eternal and not temporary. His, his perspective looked beyond his circumstance. See, when we face problems, when we, when we face problems joyfully, what it does, it does two things. It does two things. Number one, it testifies. Verse 13 says it this way. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So first off, to all the guards that came in and was chained up to him, guess what? Paul had Four hours of unsolicited, uninterrupted witness time. They couldn't go anywhere. 
Paul had four hours to tell that guard about who Jesus was, and he had no choice but to listen. Paul says here, he says, listen, I'm in chains because of the gospel, and the reason why I'm in chains is because I'm here to testify uh, to the guards about who Christ is. And so many times we go through our troubles, we go through our problems, we get the woe is me and get our head down, we go, oh, you don't know what I've been through, you don't know how much pain I've been through, and oh, I'm so mistreated, I'm so abused, and look at what I'm at, and oh, our perspective is on us instead of on God and what God could use your situation for to bring about the testimony of God. That's good. Ask yourself the question, when you go through the trial you go through, God, what are you trying to teach me so that I can testify of your goodness on the other side? Because that's what Paul was doing. Though he was in chains, he surrendered to the fact that I am in chains because of the gospel, and I'm going to advance the gospel at every chance I get. These, these guards that were chained to him, these were the elite of guards. They weren't, the, they weren't the low man on the totem pole. In fact, when these guards would serve, when they had served for two years' time, when they were done with two years, they were taken from that position and they were placed in high leadership in the government because they were revered in such a high respect. It would be like the, 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 the soldiers at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You guys have, have, have you guys have been there to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? That is a high call. If you ask a military person, they all desired and strived to be a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. It's an integrity call. It's a high um, uh, uh, honor and importance. And whenever my family went out there to watch the change of the guards last year, and we watched uh, all that, that amazing, just the silence and the reverence and everything that went on, I see why they were so revered. And these guards, they would be promoted up and they were given some kind of great leadership with this evil ruler at the time known as Nero. Nero was in leadership during this time, and Nero hated Christians. In fact, Nero hated Christians so much that he would capture Christians and he would put them into um, the lions, uh, to, to in the Colosseums for the lion fights, and just watch them get mutilated and applaud and laugh the whole time. Nero was so evil, he was so crooked, he was so wicked of a, of a, of a ruler that he would take, Rome, he would take Christians that would never denounce their faith, and he would stake them up in their bottoms, a pole up through them, cover them with tar, and light them on fire, and he would use it to light up his garden at night. An evil man. This was the man in rulership and in charge when Paul was in chains. But Paul knew something that Nero did not. Paul knew he had an audience with the most influential people that are going to rise to the top in the next generation. In fact, it's said that statistically, Paul would have influenced 4,300, then some, guards during his time in chains. 4,300 guards that watched Paul, that took care of Paul for four hours a day, swapping in, swapping out. And every time they did, Paul, I could see Paul. Paul's like, 
here comes another one. Come on, hook me up. Where I chain up? I got to tell him about Jesus. I, we ain't got enough time yet. I got to tell him about Jesus. And he witnessed. And you know, know something? You want to know something? In Nero's family, Nero killed his wife and all of his kids because they all converted to Christianity. Now tell me, how did they convert to Christianity unless a guard had been witnessing some way to who this Jesus was? See, when we get in these circumstances, we lose our joy because we lose our perspective. See, it testifies about who God is. The second thing, it inspires because of my chains, most of my brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God courageously and fearlessly. Paul says, because of my chains, I've won them over, and now they are talking about who this Jesus was. See, my attitude towards the problem encourages other people. My approach to the crisis of the day, encourages other people and where their faith goes. When the phone call comes in and the doctor's report says something horrible, your response and your perspective matters to the people around you. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work to the good for those who what? Love him. If we love him, he loves us. It works to good. Here's the life lesson. Write this down. God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. God has a purpose behind every single one of your problems. He's not caught off guard. He's not caught by surprise. It's about our perspective, and we have to get our perspective to line up with God's perspective. Second thought is this. I need, a I need a priority to live by. I need a perspective to live from. I need a priority to live by. And it tells us that, that Paul, how he's going to respond to his critics. How does Paul going to respond to his critics? Here's what the paraphrase verse says, verse 15 and 16. It says, not only am I in prison, but if you want me to, if you want to kick a man while he's down, there's uh, there are guys out there attacking my ministry. They're jealous. They're envious. Rivalry. They're, they're, try, they're other ministers trying to criticize me. When, while I'm here in prison, they're trying to tear me down, Paul says. They're criticizing me. They're criticizing where I'm at. But see, he had a priority to live by, a, a priority to live from. Uh, and he, he wanted to make sure that he was keeping his perspective right, his priority right. Verse 18, it says, but what does, what does matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached because that is why I'm in chains. That's why I'm here. So many times we argue about things and we, we get frustrated about things and we get upset about things that mean next to zero to zilch to nothing. God wants us to have a priority to live by. The lesson that we learn through this is this. Focus on what really counts. Focus on what really counts in this life. We have a perspective to live from, a priority to live by. Number three, we have a, I need a power to live on. I need a power to live on. We, we get tired. 
we get weary. We get uh, consumed with life. And sometimes the greatest thing that we can do is turn to God. Here's what, here's what it says in, uh, in verse 19. It says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope, and I will not be ashamed. Here's Paul at the lowest place of his life, but he is trusting in the power of God. And just what I said about Hannah earlier, she needs prayers. We need prayers in our life to live by. We need to pray for others that God would help. When we went through uh, uh, the coronavirus, whenever the church was shut down, and we all felt like almost paralyzed, like we didn't know what to do. We were like, this really happening? What are we going to do? How are we going to function? How are we going to survive? They're saying, stay home, you know, social distance and everything like that. Whenever all that came down, every single one of you, I started saying, how, what's the best thing that I can do for my people, for Crossview people during this time? And one day, as I was in my office, I had this idea. I said, I want to print up as many of the pictures of everybody in the church that we can. We even, before the sanctuary was changed, we had, you know, you guys are creatures of habit. We kind of know where you sit. You know, we even put your, we put your pictures like where you sat. And some of you, we didn't, you know, you move around on me and I like that move around. That's great. But we had to just throw you someplace. And, uh, and so every day, every day I would come in here, I would walk through the chairs and I would see your face and I would pray for your family and I would, I would lift you up and I would believe that God, even though this is uncertain and unprecedented circumstances, God was going to be your source. God is going to be your source. Hope has so much to do with everything we do. Cornell University did a study, 25,000 prisoners of war. Under the greatest stress, the greatest pressure, the greatest uh, torture circumstance that they had, they asked them, what got you through? None of them said wife or none of them said children. None of them said, you know, mom, dad. None of them said, uh, they, they didn't even say God. You know what they said? What got them through was hope to be delivered. Hope for their future. The power of hope is so, so powerful. Philippians 4.13 says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power of Christ that is in us, that he gives to us. The life lesson here, third life lesson is this. With God's power, nothing can devastate us. Nothing can knock us out. We may, be getting, we may get hit, and we may have our wind taken out of us. We may have our wind knocked out of us, but we breathe again, and we have hope that God will come through. See, Philippians here, at the first, it talks about joyful living. It's a perspective to live from, a priority to live by, a power to live on. And number four, number four, we need a purpose to live for. We have to know there's something more to this life. Paul, in his season, is old. He's tired. He's been beat up. He's been malnourished. In a few weeks, we're going to read about where he said, whether I was well-fed or hungry, whether I'm in need or I'm want, whatever I have, all the stuff or I don't have any of all. He says, I have learned the secret of being content 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're going to learn about that in a few weeks. But this is what he does. He says in verse 21, he says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm going to break that down. He says, My purpose in this world is to live for Christ. If I live for anything else, I might as well die. In our world today, ask yourself this question. What do you live for? What do you live for? Do you live for wealth? Do you live for security? Financial security? Job security? Do you live for approval and praise of people around you? What do you live for? Do you live for the next, uh, the next purchase, the next, the next greatest phone, the next greatest video game? Do you live for the nicest car or the biggest house or the nicest house? What do you live for? Because Paul says here, listen, the only thing in my life I had to hold on to is Jesus Christ. To live is Christ, to die Gain. I have nothing in this world but Jesus Christ. What do you live for? Ask yourself that question. What do you live for? You live for a boyfriend? You live for a girlfriend? You live for a husband? You live for a wife? You live for love? You live for someone to make you feel good about yourself? What do you live for? Because Paul says the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ. What do you live for? You live for me, my needs, my wants, my desires, or you live for the one who gave it all up for each and every one of us. Philippians 3, 13 through 14 says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press towards the goal to take the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Invest in things that outlast you. Live for Christ in things that go beyond you. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Not a one of us will have on our tombstone. He was a perfect man. Especially if your family's writing that about you. She was a perfect woman. None of us are perfect. But if we can keep our perspectives right, our priorities in check, and know where our power comes from, we understand the purpose of our life. See, the secret of, being, of having joy is this, and this is my last point. Jesus first, it's joy, J-O-Y. Remember this acronym. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's the power of perspective, the priority. That is what God has called us to. So whenever there's an opportunity to serve, when there's an opportunity to give, when there's an opportunity to help someone out, whether it be at Cross you or in your neighborhood, whatever the circumstance is, whenever you have an opportunity to live as Christ, to demonstrate who Christ is, some of you live by neighbors that don't know who Jesus is. The way to reach them is not to go up and knock on their door and go, let me tell you about Jesus. Get you nowhere. You know what gets you somewhere? Offering to help. 
mow their lawn when they're on vacation and don't even tell them that you did it. You go and serve them in some capacity. Some of you like to bake. Bake them something and take it to them and say, hey, just wanted you to know I'm thinking about you. Write them a letter. Write them a card. Somehow find a way to have Jesus first and others second and serve beyond yourself. Because their lives, the power to change hearts. Culture thinks it's all about me. Me. Me movement. We see a lot of that going on right now in our headlines, in our news reports. And we see a lot of injustice that's taking place. Jesus first. If people would put Jesus first and others second, we wouldn't have the racial divide that we have. Because Jesus is first, others are second, and we are last. This is the priority of joy. Say it with me. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Joy, no matter where we're at. Father God, help us today to learn to not be overwhelmed by this world, but to find joy in the middle of very extreme, challenging, hurtful, painful places. God, you have shown us here through the life of Paul You've shown us that you can take our very challenging and difficult circumstances and you can turn them to your glory for your good. God, today, that's, that's what you're going to do. No matter how overwhelmed we may feel, no matter what the circumstance may be like, maybe God today, there's those that, that God are facing a phone call that's come in and devastating news has come their way. Others, God here, maybe have, are struggling in relationships or they're struggling with where they're at. God, how I pray that you would let us see a victory to get your perspective, your priority, your power, your purpose in our lives. Sing this with me. And I'm gonna see a victory. And I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Will you stand your feet with me all across this place? You're here this morning, you need a victory in your life. You're here this morning, you're facing maybe some challenges that I've mentioned, or maybe I didn't, but you know exactly where you're at. Would you right now lift your hands all across this place? I want to pray with you today. Father God. I just pray for each hand that is raised, but more importantly, the life that is represented, God. You know the struggles. You know what they're, they're in the battle of. You know the, the victory they need, God. 
Lord, I pray that as they find weariness, God, and they find tiredness, they find maybe just a sense of just almost wanting to throw up their hands and say what they use, that God, right now, right here in this place, today, God, you would speak your victory into their life, and you would let them know, remind them that, God, the battle belongs to you. Just like with Paul was in chains, God, he didn't let the chains determine his perspective, for he knew that his Lord was in charge of the battle. And God, he walked through that victoriously. He lived through that to testify another day. Because Lord, you're doing something inside of us to testify about who you are. We may not see it. We may not understand it. But God, we're going to believe that you have the victory. And because you have the victory, we can trust you. Huh. Sing it again. Lift your voices. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. over them and you take them. God, as we continue to navigate these very different waters, that Lord, you would guide us in wisdom and strength and just, God, allow us to know that you have us in your hands. We love you, God. We thank you for all your goodness in our life. And everybody say, You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. 
For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkiakuk.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.